Welcome to episode 159 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? Uh, it's very strange right now, Sean. Very strange. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, I think any answer right now when you ask people how they're doing is a relative okay, doing relatively well, relatively fine under the circumstances, or maybe it's bad depending on their circumstance, of course. And yeah. so... Yeah, it's, uh, it is a very weird time right now. It's a very sad time, and, and I know a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. And so what I want to do on this episode, we're going to spend some time talking about uh, how we're handling things right now with social distancing and self-isolation and all the different measures being taken to help slow the spread of COVID-19. And I talked about all the different Marvel Studios impacts or potential actual and potential Marvel Studios impacts. That was on the last episode. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in that space on this show. But then what we want to do is we want to provide some positive things to think about, some positive memories. So what we're going to spend a lot of time on, most of our time on today, is just talking about what the Marvel Cinematic Universe means to us and all the different things that it can mean to us, all the different great experiences we've had with it. Maybe not literally every great experience we've had as a result of the MCU. But we want to get into a fair amount of that just to provide a little bit of a distraction, a little bit of an escape, because I know it's hard to think about positive things right now and to think positively right now. But we're going to go ahead and try and do that anyway, because that's what we do here. That's what we're here for, for, uh, for you to be able to have something to listen to, to enjoy and just explore your enthusiasm for this universe, this franchise that we all love so much. And so that's what we're going to spend most of our time on, but we don't want to completely gloss over and ignore what's happening right now. So, Paul, how are you holding up under the uh, under these current circumstances? Well, uh, I, I live in the state of Washington, which the, the first COVID-19 uh, breakout happened, and a lot of people actually reached out to me and asked how I was doing, which was very, very nice, and thank you to everyone who did. Uh, <clears throat> I, I work in healthcare. So I don't, I, I don't really get a luxury of staying at home necessarily. I could in a lot of aspects. I, I work in administration. I don't work in, in the front lines by any means. But that being said, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that being said, I do have to, you know, schedule and, and administration kind of, you know, I do a lot of stuff where I have to kind of be there um, for a good, for not all of it, but for, you know, a good portion of it. So. Uh, I do go to work still and, you know, it, and I haven't had the luxury of being able to stay at home and, and I always say luxury, but the, uh, the advantage or, or whatever right. you want to call it. Um, and, you know, but, um, I am very gracious and, 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 and very grateful that I, I can still work. I know there's a lot of people out there, out there who aren't working and my heart goes out to you guys. Right. And I just want you all to know that I, I you know, I totally, totally understand uh, that your frustration and your fears, and I've been there at different times in my life, and and I just want you guys to know that, uh, or you know, I whatever I you know whatever I can do from an from an emotional standpoint, uh, I would love to do that, and and I if I could give financially to some of you guys out there, I really wish I I really want to, and I you know I just right now it's the way things are. I'm like I'm nervous for myself because you know I don't know if when I'll stop working. If they'll, you know, if they're going to bust out the whole, you have to stay at home mandatory thing. Cause I'm not sure if my job is essential, essential from a 
complete quarantine right. standpoint. So right now it's a very, everything's kind of up in the air for me personally. And as far as my job goes and, and everything, and, and I do have some sick and vacation time all saved up and I don't really want to waste it all on this. Like a lot of people don't, but you got to do what you got to do. So it's, it's, you know, and I've been saying this a lot to everyone and, and I don't just mean this for the, it goes without saying, but I just want everything to go back to normal as fast as possible because it's just, right. it's just, it's put a damper on everything and, and, and not just like fun stuff, but like life stuff, big stuff, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to deal with. And yeah, it's, uh, so, you know, I, I've been hanging in there. I, like I said, I'm, I'm doing better than probably a lot of other people out there, I think, but which I, I, I feel almost ashamed to say that because I just, again, I know people are out there are really struggling and it really frustrates me that we can't, and I want people to do more for them and, and, and all kind of band together. Maybe I can help out. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's frustrating because I really want to, I want to make a difference, but it's hard to make a difference sometimes when you're limited. So anyway, um, but yeah, things are, things are weird. There's no doubt things are weird. It's a completely different reality. And in so many, so many ways, it's surreal in, in that. I mean, I've been pretty much home for the most part, um, which I generally work a lot from home anyway. I'm fortunate to be able to do that. So in some ways, it's not all that different for me, although some of the freelance production work that I do from time to time, that's not really going right now. But I'm fortunate enough to still have sources of income while I work from home to uh, to keep me afloat. But certainly the earning potential in my household, it goes down a little bit. As I know, it, it's been impacted for a lot of people. And and anytime we talk about this stuff, of, of course, I mean, we always keep in mind, uh, as Paul, you were saying that, I mean, there's a lot, you take stock of the blessings that you do have, and you're grateful for what you do have. Like my family and I so far, we're safe, we're healthy thus far uh, in this situation. And that's what I hope continues, because I know a lot of people are not safe or not healthy right now. And there's no doubt about it that that is, uh, that's the worst of it. And then you have people who they've lost work. They might lose their business or their, if they own it or their job or whatever it is. And so we have people experiencing a lot of hardship and that's why, and we can't, uh, we of course can't fix that with this podcast. It's a very, uh, you know, it's a very difficult situation. As you're saying, you just want things to, to go back to normal. And I don't even know that there's going to be a normal of what normal or what we considered normal anyway, prior to all of this starting, I think what we might be emerging into is a new normal, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad, by the way, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. Maybe the normal that we, uh, that we, when we emerge from all of this, maybe the normal is actually better with precautions taken to try and uh, have, if we encounter a situation like this, that maybe it doesn't have to be as bad as it's been thus far and is likely to get in the weeks ahead. So Hopefully, you know, maybe we will emerge from this um, and, you know, there will be a lot of the world that's broken, but maybe as it gets rebuilt, it can be rebuilt stronger than it was before. But in talking about, you know, that sense of wanting to do more, I certainly have struggled with this over the past week or so as it's become more and more intense because I talk about Marvel pretty much every day between this podcast and the Patreon and then going on our Instagram, as I was doing last week, doing live Q&As, and I'm going to keep doing that stuff. Because at different points in time, I've almost felt like, and, and asked myself the question, should I be doing this? Because it feels, 
fairly trivial to talk about Marvel right now, to talk about movies that we love right now. But in some ways, I feel like that's what I can contribute. I'm not in healthcare, so there are real heroes out there who are putting their lives on the line to care for the sick and other people who are part of essential jobs, essential services, who are going out, putting themselves at risk of exposure, putting their loved ones at risk of exposure because their jobs need to get done. I mean, people working in grocery stores right now, um, they're heroes. And so um, I don't really have, as far as the contribution that I can make from the position that I'm in, is, is this. It is this, to provide a little bit of distraction I know a lot of people are at home, and that's difficult. It may not be the most difficult experience in all of this, but it can still be difficult because a lot of us are used to going out and engaging with the world in different ways, and right now it's harder to do that. It's harder to find that sense of community and engagement because we are self-isolated. And just because we can know in our heads that that is necessary, that this is something that we need to do and we believe that it's in the best interest of everyone that we do this for right now, it doesn't mean that it stops taking a toll on you emotionally because we are emotional beings and so we are going to be impacted by these types of events in, in many different ways. The anxiety, the fear, again, that sense of isolation, feeling detached from people because you know a lot of people, you're isolating in your own home with whoever lives in that household. So it's not, it's not like everybody's able to spend all their time with their family right now. In some cases, maybe you already live with your whole family and, and that's where you're at. But for a lot of people, they're living alone or with roommates or with one person, but they're still disconnected from a lot of their family. And FaceTime and Skype or whatever else, I mean, it can only go so far if you're used to being able to have in-person contact with so many of the folks in your lives. And so that is very real and it doesn't go away for now, but if we can provide a little bit of a break from that, a little bit of distraction by allowing you to focus on something that makes you happy, that's uh, something that you know you like, something that provides you some emotional fulfillment in, uh, with the stories that, that are told in these movies and eventually in Disney Plus series as well, then that's what we can do for you is give you something else to uh, give you something else to focus on and maybe give you uh, something positive to uh, to remember and also look forward to as things uh, maybe approach getting back to normal again. I know it's still going to be a while, but getting back to either what was normal or a new normal that again, hopefully is uh, is better. So what we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about a little bit today is what the MCU means to us, because we spend a lot of our time here on this podcast talking about Marvel. It's exclusively what we talk about, with rare exceptions. We talk about Marvel, more specifically Marvel Studios and the MCU, and clearly it means a lot to us, and we spend additional time talking about it for Patreon podcasts, but plus you know, several you know, 159 episodes now talking about Marvel on this show. Clearly, we are very engaged. Clearly, we enjoy this stuff. But I don't think we would do this if it were purely superficial, where we just went to the theater, we had fun watching the movie, and then we were done with it. So there is some deeper meaning that these stories have. There is a bigger impact that these stories have. And I think that counts. When I say we, I don't just mean Paul and I recording the show. I think that means for those of you listening, because 
If you're going to take the time to listen to a podcast about something, then it's not just a superficial experience for you either. If it were a completely disposable entertainment, then you wouldn't listen to a podcast about it, but you do because you like exploring these things on a deeper level because you feel them on a deeper level. And so that's what we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about today. So Paul, in beginning to talk about what the MCU means to us, I think we should go ahead and we should recap a little bit how we became fans. We're not going to go through the whole story sure. of how we became fans because you can go listen to episode 100 of the podcast. It was all about that. Uh, we talked about our personal journeys through Marvel fandom, mm -hmm. but we know we have a lot of new listeners as well. And yeah. so maybe not everyone's heard that episode. So if you want the full version, <laughs> please go back and listen to episode 100. But for the abridged version, let's talk about that. Paul. You and I, our Marvel fandom, of course, predates the MCU. Mm -hmm. And so we went into the MCU, you know, primed and ready to love it as, as long as it was good. Um, but let's go back to the beginning, Paul. Do you even remember? Are, are, do you? Because I don't remember. I can't tell you specifically mm. when I fell in love with Marvel stuff because I just feel like it was always there. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a standout moment for you? <laughs> kind of a, a beginning of your fandom. Well, if you listen to that episode, you'll know that I, I started from the beginning because I Star Wars and Marvel were always a part of me growing up because my parents got me Star Wars action figures and Secret Wars action figures. And so my my brother, he's 6 years older than I am, he had comics laying around and he and and he had his Star Wars action figures that we shared. So basically Star Wars and Marvel are the the, the two things of of that I grew up loving and and kind of grew up with loving um, amongst a few other things like back to the future i love that of uh, ghostbusters i'm a big ghostbusters fan but marvel and um and marvel specifically and star wars were always the two things that i always would come back to and was always kind of investing all my my energy and time and 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 money when i would ever get it uh i would usually put it back into that on a, on a mostly regular basis as much as a a, a little person could uh, a little child could do um but, but yeah, it was growing up. I, I just, for whatever reason, I, I, I liked Batman. I, I, I love, I love DC comics, but I just never, I just never liked it as much as Marvel. I never connected to Superman and Batman as much as I connected to Spider-Man and Spider-Man was my, my entry point. He was my favorite character from the beginning. Again, I don't know a world that I didn't know and love Spider-Man. And I, I, my earliest memory of, of being a, chi uh, a, a child is basically, basically uh, playing with my Dr. Octopus Secret Wars action figure. I, I, I was very, very young. Uh, I had, uh, I don't know if I even said this in the last show or that, that show that you referenced. I, I had a ton of the Secret Wars figures. I had Captain America, Iron Man, Magneto, Dr. Doom, Kang, Baron Zemo. I had, I want to say I had Daredevil, but most importantly, I had Spider-Man and Black Spider-Man, and I just played those things to death. My Spider-Man uh, was completely worn out, the regular red one, his, like, all his webbing was all wearing off, and... I mean, it was, it, I played that, thing oh, yeah. to, I played that thing to death. In fact, there's a picture I'll post it maybe in, in, in tonight or whatever for that, or when the episode drops of me, it's me as a little, little, little guy. Um, I've got my, uh, mad ball, 
uh, in one hand, if you don't remember Mad Balls, those are those are big back then. Oh, I remember Mad Balls. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, and I also have I could do a whole podcast about Mad Balls. Yeah, I have a stuffed animal uh, Ernie from Sesame Street, which I someone made me. I want to say someone actually, and it looks great too. Uh, like one of my mom's friends made it for me, and then I'm also holding my Secret Wars Spider Man in my hand. So. If you guys can understand when I when I say I grew up on this stuff, I'm not lying. I mean, my my mom and dad. I remember having the Secret Wars comic books uh, laying around too. I had no idea what they were, what was going on, and but that was my introduction to Marvel was 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 that. And I so I basically had comics in the house, and the world I didn't grow up. My parents weren't comic fans. They just had it because oh, here's these toys. Oh oh, ha ha. Here here you go. And it was mostly my brother, I think, as I had it, he, and I think he probably made my parents buy. You know, this is what again. This is what was so important for distribution for these things is that at gas stations, right? People, I couldn't. I can't tell you how many times that I'd go into a gas station and then go, "Can you buy me a comic?" They go, "Yeah, sure." You know, and <laughs> shut up. Let's get out of here. And so, and, and seriously. That's and I think for oh, my I, hey look I I get it. So with so with all that said, I just grew up loving these characters, and I and I think that and when I say loving, it wasn't just like I grew up with them for a little bit and then I just kind of went away. They stuck with me, and I'm not sure how deep you want me to go, but I can stop there if you'd like, and we can kind of go forward. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it started at an at a young age for sure. Yeah, for me, I can't remember. In fact, I know it started before I was old enough to actually start registering memories that I would keep. And I told the story, I think, on episode 100, but it's embarrassing and bears repeating is, you know, I was a big Hulk fan as a kid, and that was definitely my entry point to Marvel. I had, I think it was like the Mezco action figure, whatever it was, it was huge. Um, and I had I that, had that I too. carried around everywhere. And I would watch, uh, I was watching the 1982 Hulk series reruns because it ran only briefly and I was born in 83, but I was all about that show. I just loved the Hulk and the cover art for the, for episode 100 of the show is the title card for uh, an episode of that incredible Hulk series called When Monsters Meet and it's Hulk versus Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame. And so Part of that, or in that episode, Quasimodo captures Betty, and so Hulk goes after them, and he he's just screaming the whole time, nobody hurt Betty, Hulk, get her back, and of course he's stomping, and there's the sound effect of the stomping, and they act like there's a real camera that shakes because of the stomping, which is pretty cool for 82, by the way, good detail. Anyway, I was reenacting that, I, I must have been, I don't know, two or three years old, and I'm stomping through the mall in front of my mom and dad, screaming, nobody hurt Betty, Hulk, get her back, and that was it. I mean, that's how uh, I was just, I was in, and Hulk was my entry point, and I had some of those Secret Wars action figures as well. I remember, like, the paint being rubbed off of the Spider-Man action figure, the red and blue one, the traditional costume, because I was carrying these things everywhere. Um, and that's what I kind of always had. I always had this little bag of action figures and a lot of those action figures were Marvel. And then the next big action figure series for me was the Toy Biz action figures uh, that came up, what, late 80s, early 90s. Those started coming around. And and of course, I was engaging in this stuff in every way that I could because I like you, Paul, I, I grew up loving Marvel and DC and Star Wars. Um, and it was for me, it really was more superheroes and then Star Wars. And I think Star Wars came along 
a little bit later for me, but still early enough that I don't remember exactly where it started. But I just had superheroes everywhere, Marvel and DC comics, Marvel and DC action figures. Hulk was my entry point. But then, of course, you love that. And then you, you know, you find out there's Spider-Man and Spider-Man's awesome. And Spider-Man's got these amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. And you're watching that show. And then you're reading comic books. And and comic books became, of course, the primary way that I was engaging with a lot of these characters, because that was where you found them, because there were a lot of years where there wasn't Marvel stuff in other media. So, but I was still consuming it in every way that I could between comic books, animated shows when there were any, reruns of the live action Hulk series with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, also the different trading cards, the ones that had the little power level stats on the back of the card, also the Marvel Masterpiece collection. I mean, I was going, I was all about this stuff as a kid and it just stuck with me. And that's not to say that it's always been at the forefront of my mind. Of course, there have been times where other things became a bigger priority, but I never went away from it completely, even if I wasn't always reading a bunch of comic books, although I was consistently buying Hulk every month for many, many, many years uh, before I eventually fell off. But I was just in love with this stuff. And so when the MCU came around, it wasn't going to take a lot of convincing for me. I mean, I was stoked in the late 90s and early 2000s when it became apparent that these movies about Marvel characters that I wanted for so long but couldn't have because the technology or the limitations of the technology meant that you couldn't actually do it in a way that would be satisfying. When the technology got to a point where these movies were possible, I was excited about that just to get an X-Men film, to get a Spider-Man film. And so those movies were a big deal. X-Men in 2000, Spider-Man in 2002. And I was happy to see with the way a lot of them got started. And yes, there were Marvel movies in the 2000s that weren't great, but I was still happy to have them. And as the MCU came around, I was certainly intrigued about the idea of Marvel Studios being, of Marvel having its own studio, making their own movies without really having to answer to another studio or, or other studio executives. All of that sounded so great to me. And it was just a matter of, okay, well, without all that studio support, what are they going to be able to do? And they knocked it out of the park with the first Iron Man film. And I don't want to spend a bunch of time reviewing Iron Man and our experience. Go back and listen to, I think it's episode 55 of the podcast, which is still on the feed somewhere in order, episode 55. Uh, that was, I think that was the start of our Road to Infinity War series, where we talked all about Iron Man and the journey to that film, but that's kind of where it was for us. But I don't highlight our experience as being fans who already liked Marvel and, and already liked the Marvel or already liked Marvel characters and stories to say that it's a more valid fan experience than anybody who came along since the start of the MCU. I don't really care where you became, you know, what your point of connection was. I don't really care when you came to this party. All I care is you're here now, and I'm glad you're here now, and I'm glad this is a big party where we're all together enjoying this thing. But for Paul and I, yeah, that's it started in our own ways, you know, many mm -hmm. years prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe even being a thing. But just to talk a little bit about those early days of the MCU, I think for, for me, Paul, what made it truly the universe, though, was that Avengers actually worked because mm -hmm. going back to that first Iron Man film was like, great. The first one was awesome. And they're talking about the yeah. Avenger initiative. All of this is all of this sounds amazing, but is it actually going to be as amazing as it sounds? Is it going to live up to 
the tremendous potential that I know yeah. it has. And that was a recurring theme. When we started talking about this stuff together on in podcast form in 2011, wow. there was plenty, you know, I always, I, I laugh now when people say, everybody just loves Marvel and whatever they do. No. I remember, like I'm sure you do, the skepticism was there oh, you know, yeah. throughout all of phase one until Avengers worked. There was plenty mm-hmm. of skepticism around the MCU and whether or not this whole thing was going to work. And Avengers was that exclamation mark of, yes, this is here and it works and it's beautiful. You know, I, I, people have to understand the climate that superhero films in general were going into in the mid to early to mid to late 90s, that whole decade. The 90s was a very awkward time because comic properties were were huge and but marvel w- just could not like you said earlier they could not get the technology up to date enough to get it figured out and again and again i'm the reason i'm backtracking here just bear with me for a moment and when marvel had to sell their characters to stay at, to stay out of bankruptcy and those characters being the x-men the fantastic four the spider-man the daredevils whatever that that's what helped them stay alive and those were their heavy hitters and those were, were, were their they knew they could make money off of that and there's there's a podcast i've been listening to um uh, you probably already listened to it it's not a, a superhero podcast it's a best movies never made podcast and i've been i'm just gonna give them a free plug here for a second because they uh did a rundown of spider-man like of all the unmade spider-man movies and just the legal hell that spider-man had to go through of so many different people and it's amazing it's four episodes alone just about spider-man and it really shows you how just how far everything has gone has come from this point and it's it's amazing to me because these films that are that are coming out and in the prelude to the the mcu it's it really is just a a very uh tenuous kind of thing with how good these movies are or how uh these movies movies were coming out because we just didn't know how good they were going to be and we waited like 10 years for so long for them to even come out. I mean, I say 10 years because the 90s is when I really started thinking to myself, why don't they make totally. I, I, Spider-Man movies or X-Men movies or mm-hmm. or whatever? And so for me, it's it, you had so many years of buildup because you had a Superman movie already. You already had a Batman movie already. You had, you had the Flash TV series. You had the there's so much live action for DC you just didn't know when you were going to get that from Marvel. And when you did, it was like generation next TV movie. And, you know, and I, dude, I ate that up. So leading all into that, you had Spider-Man come out and it was a giant success. You had the X-Men come out. It was a giant success, but those were the, those were the no brainers. They were already proven commodities and pretty much household names at that point. So when the mm. MCU came into, and again, this is why I'm going back. I had to go back to kind of prove my point here. Going into the MCU, it was far from a proven commodity and having a giant continuity coming together because they, they, everyone kind of wanted that. Everyone wanted a kind of, some kind of, you know, one movie goes into another kind of, kind of like a Jason versus uh, Freddy, if you will, a little bit, something like that, where they can all kind of feed in, feed in together. The problem is that it wasn't established. And for me, you talked about the Avengers kind of, 
for you, you know, for the for the mass audiences of Avengers, that's when that's when people kind of bought into everything. As a Marvel zombie like myself, you know, for me, Iron Man was the was was I mean, like you said, Iron Man can work by itself, but and 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 that's fine and that's great and it was an amazing film. But you had to make the other films. And Iron Man Two wasn't exactly a world beater. I I like it more than everybody else, but. Again, wasn't didn't draw everyone probably the same way as Iron Man one. Thor came out was successful, and I think Thor and Captain America I think are the two that really probably are the bridge the bridges of I think where people started going okay let's see where this is. As a fan for me though, I will say it was Captain America that made me that really kind of made me think okay this is working because because. Understand that when I growing up and reading comics, Captain America was the most uncool character of all time. And I only because he just wasn't cool. He just wasn't there was nothing badass or or whatever about Captain America at that time. Because back then you had the Rob Liefeld, the Jim Lees. I mean, obviously Rob Liefeld would draw Captain America famously, but what I'm, but but what I'm saying is he there was nothing cool and cutting edge about Captain America because back then cutting edge was all black, machine guns, swords, pouches. That was what was what was cool, and not Captain America's flag. I mean that's not that character just was was so outdated at that point. Right. And he still, I mean, granted Ed Brubaker came in and really put shot you know some adrenaline into the arm in that comic series, and. And whatever, and there were still good comics being written with him by Mark Runewald and Mark Wade, but Captain America was always the the quintessential dorky character that no one would touch. And no, when I say no one, meaning the mainstream audience would would not even, even scoff at this. And the fact that Marvel was going into the MCU with the, as his fourth film, basically right before the Avengers. And having and they're putting out Captain America and not just putting out a Captain America movie, but making it a World War II piece. And I and I've said a lot of this you know, about Captain America, and everyone knows that's one of my favorite movies, maybe of superhero movies ever. The thing with Captain America, when that movie came out and it worked, and it, it wasn't a world beater again. It wasn't like it lit everyone on fire. But the the thing for me, I knew they had something when Captain America wasn't laughed on screen. And when I went to the first night. Right. It was laughed at a little bit by a couple like jerk teenagers, but the whole audience didn't. And but I saw it like because I I got engaged during that that time it was released, and I made my my fiance now wife watch it like multiple times because I was just could not get enough of Captain America: First Avenger. But every time I watched it with the audience, they bought into Captain America. One of the again, I say the dorkiest characters of all time. That's what he is. Captain America is a dork. It's just what he is. He's a big geek. You're uh, not a geek, but you know, he's just, he's a funny duddy. As, as I, I like to say, the thing is once he's a square. Yeah, man. exactly. Thank you. So the fact that Captain America was on screen, cause you can make Thor work. Thor is a, is a cool, like with a hammer and all that stuff. That's cool. With Captain America, it is a fine line. And you know what? They When they nailed the not just the movie, but they nailed the character. And they made the character right. marketable and made it where people could buy into him and go, I, I like this character. And you, it just, to me, it was like, okay, Marvel, they, they did it. So for me, Captain America is what, is what truly like set everything into motion where I'm like, holy crap, this is going to work. 
Yeah. Well, without Cap, you don't have the Avengers. Exactly. Without yeah. Cap, you just get to keep making Iron Man sequels until people get tired of it. I mean, I, I think a huge part of me for the MCU, Captain America the First Avenger was huge for that same reason that you said. I mean, the box office, not a world beater, $377 million worldwide, somewhere around there. Uh, second lowest grossing MCU film to date. Uh, the only one that made less was The Incredible Hulk, which was 200-something million. So uh, obviously for Captain America the First Avenger, it, it wasn't so much about the money, although based on the budget, I mean, Captain America the First Avenger could still be qualified as a, a hit, just not a monster like Iron Man was, or not even as big a hit as actually as the first Thor film, which made just under $450 million worldwide. But more important than the money was that people liked this guy. The people who saw it liked him, which meant the people who were going to see him, at, you know, the bigger audience that was going to see him in a movie like The Avengers the following year, they might like him too. And that's what was so important about Captain America the First Avenger is it established Chris Evans and his iteration of Steve Rogers being someone that audiences could connect with because all the questions that a lot of people still ask about Superman right now and whether or not you can make a Superman movie work right now, same questions that got applied to Captain America, even more so, though, because, because his costume is a flag. He wears the American flag. And so there was a lot of thought and a lot of question as to whether or not people were going to buy into this character. And I remember I actually got to interview the, the writers for that film and several Marvel films since, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, I got to interview them during the press junket for Captain America Civil War, and I asked them if they were tempted to go gritty with Steve Rogers because of the concerns that maybe he was too much of a square or too corny, too old-fashioned, whatever you want to call it. I asked them if there was a temptation to go a different route with the character, and they said there was initially, but it only lasted for like 10 seconds because... There was the idea that, you know, they would try to give him some sort of edge, but it just didn't ring true. And so they just focused on who this guy was. And, uh, and of course, they stayed true to who he was, and it worked out beautifully in the first Avenger. But another key one for me going into Avengers was Thor, because Thor was the idea of it being a universe, because you could have the Marvel Cinematic Earth, you could have the Marvel Cinematic Planet with Iron Man and Captain America, but how do you reconcile the technological genius of Tony Stark that is somewhat grounded, not all that grounded, but somewhat grounded in our physical reality? But Thor, I mean, you're talking about Asgardians, you're talking about Norse mythology, gods in many ways. And so how do you connect those two things? How can Iron Man and Thor, how can those two concepts, how can those two parts be part of the same whole? And I know they have been, of course, famously in comic books for many years, but we had never seen those types of things, the stories quite so different and characters and concepts that were quite so different being reconciled on the big screen. We had never seen that before, and yet Thor didn't feel out of place in his film. But even with that, even though there were signs that things were going, that things were going to be not just okay, that things were going to be great, with the first Iron Man film, Incredible Hulk was solid. Although a lot of that was up in the air because we knew that Edward Norton was being replaced with Mark Ruffalo. Iron Man 2, not as strong as the first Iron Man, but I agree with you that I think it's uh, most, it's still at least slightly underrated. But then you have Thor, you have Cap, so you're five films in, and then you're trying to figure out what's the Avengers going to be. Is this all going to work? So separately, everything's worked pretty well, but now that you bring them all together, 
this is the ultimate test of this concept. And I just remember being completely blown away by the Avengers the first time I saw it. I mean, in so many ways, I was just shaking my head as I was watching the movie, just completely astonished at how well everything worked together, just how cohesive it was and how seamless it was with all of these different characters and concepts all coming together in this one story. And I know as a comic book fan who read Avengers comics, not a ton of Avengers comics, but read enough of them and certainly knew and watched animated series and and knew that this was a team and knew that these were characters who worked together in stories, it wasn't a foreign concept to me, generally speaking, but it was so different than I had seen anybody really apply that in movies and to do it in such in such a condensed story when you consider having to tell one great two-hour or two-plus-hour story in the Avengers as a film as opposed to having tons and tons of comic books to get everything to mesh together. The results were extraordinary in that film, and so that was the ultimate proof of concept, except then... It got bigger and bigger and bigger, obviously, as we went along in uh, in the Infinity Saga. But it was just incredible in those early days. And that perspective, I think, is it's something I, I like to talk about on this show. And I know we've covered similar topics before, but I feel like it always is helpful to have that reminder because I, I think there's a certain level of context yeah. that is missed when we just focus on Here's what's happening right now. The MCU is the biggest thing in the world. So of course it was pre it was preordained and so everybody thought like this from the beginning. Nope, not no, true. Not no. true at all. And, and you know, not even close. Plenty of doubt with the MCU. Uh, and you mentioned the earlier films. I mean, when you go to the early 2000s, in many ways it's like we were so desperate for those movies that we were going to love them no matter what. Exactly. And then we found out and then we found out in some cases we didn't. We didn't mm-hmm. love them no matter what. There was a limit to you know how much we were willing to put up with <laughs> yeah. some of these movies. We found we found our limits in the 2000s. And so there was still that thing, though. By the time we were getting the MCU, it wasn't enough to just have the movies anymore. They really needed to be good, and they needed to be good consistently. And because Marvel-based movies had not been good consistently in the early 2000s, there was more than enough skepticism to go around. And to this day, there's, there's still skepticism. It never goes away completely. Even after the Avengers, plenty of doubts about Guardians of the Galaxy, plenty of doubts about Spider-Man being rebooted again for the sake of the MCU, plenty of doubts all the way to this day with uh, a project like the Eternals. And that's just part of it. That, that's just the way it goes, is that when, you're, when you continue to do new concepts that people aren't as familiar with, then there's going to be some skepticism that comes along with that. But as Marvel has taken these risks over the years, they've really paid off because of how great these stories have been. So I, I want to move this uh, a little bit forward, Paul, and, and let's mm-hmm. talk about from a broader perspective. I mean, the MCU arrived with, obviously, the, with phase one, and then, of course, that proof of concept being the Avengers. So, and you're looking back on it, because we, we haven't even started the new era yet mm-hmm. for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're going to be waiting a little bit longer still before we get a chance to start that era. Mm-hmm. And, but we've already been previewing it. We've been doing our Expanding the Universe series, which we will get back to. It just didn't feel right to go yeah. right back into that series yep. for this episode. And I don't know exactly when we're going to go back into that. It might be our next episode. It might not. We'll see. But as we look back on, because now we do have a little bit more distance from the, the culmination of this whole thing with Avengers Endgame and also Far From Home as a bit of an epilogue last year, so with the benefit of a little bit of distance to add to that perspective, I mean, as you're looking back on 
this journey through the MCU so far, what do you feel like it's meant to you? And I know that's a big question, mm. but uh, I did give you time earlier today, <laughs> so you had a few hours to yeah. think about it and prep for it. Uh, what do you feel like the MCU has uh, meant to you over the years? Well, first of all, it's it's meant a lot, obviously, because it's, and honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're right here, but it's given me an amazing friendship and it's given me, and, and, and it's, it's given me so much that I am and truly blessed to be a part of something that people actually want to listen to. And, and I have someone that wants to talk to with me about it. And it's, you know, we, Sean and I have, you know, those who don't know, Sean and I have gone through some stuff and you know what, we've become like better friends from it. And, you know, and that's, you know, those years ago, but but point is that it's it really has brought us together and I'm really grateful for that friendship. And and Sean has been an awesome friend for me and he's opened a lot of doors for me. I've met a lot of some amazing friends through Sean. A lot of opportunities have happened through this podcast, through the MCU, all because I grew up loving Marvel Comics and so for me, I, I have to be honest, I, I, it means a lot to me on, on a totally different level than I think a lot of other people. I mean, I, there's multiple reasons, multiple things, but I think for the first thing that I have to say that just because I've been, I've been blessed with, again, a lot of, a lot of great friendships that I would never want to uh, not have in my life. And just, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And so the MCU has given me and and when you say MCU, I, I just think I say Marvel in general. I mean, to be honest, I, right. I I can't I can't separate them. They're just they're all the same to me. But as far as I, so when I say the MCU, I mean Marvel. If I say Marvel, I say MCU. But for me, Marvel is it, it's so crazy to me, Sean, because I, I look back at again. I, I talked about this a little bit on the uh, on the that one episode you kind of referenced, but. I, growing up on these comics, it, it was, you felt isolated. You felt like you were alone. You felt like you were not in, no one could connect with you because no one understood this weird world of comics and these characters. And, and because right. they were comics and they were cartoons, oh, you like kid stuff. You know, even though we were kids, like, they wanted to act like they were older. Like, oh, we're too busy watching MTV and Views and Butthead, which I did all those things too, but I also read comics and they go, Ooh, it's just right. dumb stuff. You're not, you know, you're not into like whatever, it, it, name whatever dumb thing in the mid nineties everyone was into. But the thing was, is that, but even as, as a little kid from the you know late eighties to early nineties and into whatever, you just, it, it's, you, you bond with the, with the people that you, that like the same things as you. Cause when they do, it becomes a big deal. So when the movies come out, it was a big it was a big deal for me because these are things I always wanted to see on on the screen and the MCU really was and is a con what I always dreamed of seeing on the screen so it so it, the MCU has both fulfilled me as an adult to where it's given me so many opportunities and friendships that I just I can't believe how blessed I am and it's also blessed me from the standpoint of growing up and loving this stuff and being an, an eternal eight-year-old where I just, I just am constantly blown away of how much it, it's always what I dreamed of. And to me, the MCU is a dream fulfilled. That to me is, and, and again, as an adult and as, as a, an eternal eight-year-old, it's done those things. And that's an impossible feat that I think that is, is only truly special 
that something like this could you know could accomplish and i think that the mcu and marvel it's like i said it's it's crazy to me that i get to see this and watch these things like see again see infinity war and and endgame which is basically infinity gauntlet right like it, I mean, like, it, it's it's not the same thing, but it, it is. Infinity Gauntlet times a thousand. Exactly. It, it, it very much is that to where I never thought I would ever get something close to that in my lifetime. No. And no. yeah, so. Too big to even dream for. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, you never thought something that was based off when I, my brother and I picked up at the local Tom Thumb in Lake Stevens, Washington. I, th- I think he picked up the first issue. Maybe he didn't pick up the first issue at, at Tom Thumb. I'm pretty sure he picked up one of them anyway. But he picked up a number of the issues from like a local convenience store. And we loved it. We and my brother like loved it and we would always like put bagged and board the first issue. And I think he lost it somewhere. Um, and, you know, it, that story would then essentially become the backbone and the focus of the the best selling movie of all time. And it's something it's something that I never ever would have thought because I would have brought that out and told everyone be like, yeah, right. That's never gonna happen. And and it's just again, it's it's just so weird. It's weird to me to to see something that was so laughed at and ridiculed as a kid be the most when no one likes the thing you like, you don't even think about the possibility of it becoming the most popular thing in the world. Yeah. So the MCU, and wrapping up my what your your question, the MCU again is is just a dream fulfilled, and I I really can't say and, and I can't be more appreciative of everything that, uh, you know that I that's been given to me, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it in for anything for for my love of, of Marvel, my my love of the friends I've 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 developed from Marvel, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, Dream fulfilled is what I would I would call what what it means to me. It's a dream fulfilled, which is a, saying a lot. Yeah, I think for me, it's what happens after your dream comes true. Because, uh, and and I know I've I've mentioned this before, but people ask me, you know, this this would come up, and we did panels for like the Modern Myth Media podcast at conventions, and and one of the questions that would come up, or it comes up on Q and A episodes of podcasts, where people are asking. Is this is the MCU? Is this what you always dreamed about? And I say no. I, I dreamed about a Spider-Man movie, a Hulk movie. That was the dream when I was growing up. And then once I got a lot of that, even though the results weren't always amazing, when I got a lot of that in the early 2000s, I was like, okay, got it. And then the MCU was so far beyond that because, like you said, Paul, I mean, we weren't trained to really think that way. We weren't trained to dream that big because the audience didn't seem to be there. I mean, every once in a while, I would find a friend who liked this stuff the way that I liked it. And then, uh, you know, and, and on the same level where we're really into it, buying comics and and not just, uh, and it's not about ranking fans or anything. It's just who wants to, who's willing to actually talk to me about this stuff at recess? Who wants to spend the 10 minutes we have or 15 or 30 for lunch or whatever it is? Who wants to spend this time, our time of freedom outside of class talking about Marvel and talking about comic books and superheroes, there weren't very many. And if I might find somebody, then we somebody switches schools or moves, and then they're gone, and then that's it, and you're back to being on your own. And so when I think about what the MCU has meant to me, I mean, all I can do right now is try to summarize. If you really want to know what the MCU has meant to me, you can listen to the literally hundreds of podcasts that I have recorded about the MCU between this show as well as all the Patreon shows that we've done. It's hundreds and hundreds of shows now 
because I just have a huge passion for this stuff and I love talking about it. But the reason why that passion is so strong and more specific to the MCU than just my general Marvel fandom is because the MCU, and maybe it's just the timing, maybe it's not just the MCU. I mean, I think it's the quality of the stories, but I think the stories were great in the comic books all along, but the movies have helped people finally see that. And also with the internet and social media, although the internet's been around for most of my life, but then social media becoming a bigger thing, you know, we've been able to find our tribe, so to speak. And so when I think about all of the fun, the joy, the entertainment that I have had or that I have experienced and enjoyed throughout my time with the MCU, what's made it so great and what's made it mean so much is that all of it has been shared. And we've been brought together in smaller little micro communities, but also bigger macro communities as far as us finding this common thing, this common set of stories that we love so much. Because to your point, Paul, we got together and we started becoming friends through a podcast that I started in 2011 called Modern Myth Media. And the MCU was a huge part of why I started that podcast. It wasn't just because, I mean, it wasn't exclusively because of the MCU. I like DC as well, and I was excited to talk about DC movies. But I was doing a lot of that over on the Batman on Film podcast. I had been doing that since 2008. And while I could squeeze some DC talk outside of Batman into the BOF podcast, I wanted to talk about more DC stuff. And I also wanted to talk about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I was enjoying it. I was excited about it. And I wanted to share that excitement on a podcast. And so I created that website, created that podcast. And then you reached out, you joined the show. And of course, it wasn't just that, though. It wasn't just meeting new people through the podcast, as great as that was. It was also deepening the friendships that I had. And we talked about a lot of that, of course, on our tribute to our, our pal John Beerley, but deepening my friendship with John, with Justin, whom I had met recently uh, when we were working at the same place, and then also Chris Clow. Uh, John and Chris, of course, I've been working with on the Batman on Film podcast. Brad as well. It went from here's a podcast that we record every once in a while together to here's something we have to get together every week and talk about this stuff. And the MCU was such a huge part of it because when you think about the very first year of the show, it was, you know, within about 14 months of the show existing, we were covering Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and the Avengers. So it was a lot of Marvel uh, within that first year or so of the podcast. And so it was bringing us together. But we found an even bigger community outside of the podcast because it didn't take long to realize that there were people who were actually listening to this show and they were enjoying it. And then as it's gone on, because not everybody's been with us since the Modern Myth Media days. In fact, I'm sure most of you listening didn't know us back in the Modern Myth Media days. And that's okay. I don't care. When, like I said, I don't care when you got to the party. I just care that you're here now. And that's what I love about it. But when we started doing a Marvel podcast, when I decided, let's have a Marvel show, a specifically Marvel show coming out of Modern Myth Media, and it was making my Marvel and then Marvel News and Marvel Studios News, we just got this bigger community of Marvel fans that were coming together and uh, following us socially, checking in with us. And then that's evolved still. I mean, we still have all of that, but then we have another community within our Patreon and the Discord and everybody talking together. We have these watch parties where we're watching Marvel movies together and just enjoying them. And that's kind of what it is. It's just, there's so much connection. There's so much community. And that's part of why I wanted to do this episode is 
like you said, Paul, I mean, growing up, it was very easy to feel isolated because there weren't as many people who liked this stuff. And right now we're going through, it's, a, it's in a completely different way, in a completely different set of circumstances, obviously. But sometimes when we do feel isolated, whether that's figurative or it's literal, then what we're craving is a sense of community. And, and that's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really you know, provided us with. Certainly it's what provided me with. It's strengthened my connections with the characters on screen and also with everybody outside of the screen. I mean, it's movies that I have shared with my family, with my friends. I have more friends now because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and through mutual admiration uh, and appreciation of the MCU. That's happened for me. I mean, the stories are incredible. The stories are deep. The stories are meaningful. Everything that these characters are going through, I mean, you're looking at your, when I talk about strength and deepening the connections with characters, and, and I think that's why there are so many of us here in this community specifically who care enough to either podcast about this stuff or listen to podcasts about this stuff is because we see more than just big action sequences and uh, more than just funny quips from the characters. It goes much deeper than that in the journeys that these characters go on in their stories as they go through various points of emotional catharsis on their respective character arcs, how they emerge, how they emerge, if they go, they go through these experiences, these challenging experiences, and they come out on the other side better and stronger than they were before, but they're still human. They're still not perfect, which means that even as they are on that growth trajectory, they might still regress, as we've seen with characters like Thor and Tony Stark at, uh, at critical moments in these stories. But I think that's what we love about it is in many ways we feel represented in these stories or we connect with that experience because we know in our own much smaller, not so epic sort of ways, we see the truth in that. We see authenticity in that. We see our human experience, even if it's not something that we specifically relate to from our experience, but we still just get it because we can empathize with these characters. We can connect with them on an emotional level. There's so much of that. And, and I think in the way that we have formed connections with these characters, we have also formed connections with each other. I mean, we're all just this barrel of monkeys flying out of Air Force One, although it's, it's happier than that. Although everybody made it in that rescue attempt, but it, it, that's it. We're, we're linked together. We are links in this chain of Marvel fans, and we just, you know, it's this collective experience that we enjoy so much, and there's an energy to it. I mean, you can feel it when you're with that Marvel crowd on an opening night for one of these movies. You know you are with people. You know that you are not, uh, you are not at all alone as you're looking forward to the story. And, you know, one last thing that uh, I'll throw in here is, you know, as far as what the MCU has meant to me is it's put me to a point where these, my connections with these characters are so strong that I don't have a favorite character anymore. I mean, I, I talked at the top of the show about how we became Marvel fans and Hulk was my point of entry. So going into the MCU, there was no question. There was no doubt about it that Hulk was my favorite character in the MCU, but now I don't have one. I, I can't honestly tell you and give you an answer that I'm satisfied with. And I know not everybody's the same. Paul, your favorite character is still Spider-Man. But for me, I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, I just, I have a bunch, it's, it's like I don't have favorite friends or favorite family members. I have some least favorite family members, but I don't really have favorite family members you know, it's and that's how I feel about the MCU. To me, it's not Tony or Steve, it's Tony and Steve. And you can add in Thor and you can add in characters that 
I never really cared much about in the comic books. The most famous example I use is Nebula, and what a tremendous journey that character's been on. Her sister Gamora as well. These are characters that I didn't grow up with having strong connections with, and now I do through the storytelling of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's where my experience, um, and that's where I can relate to the experience of people who've come along a little bit later or only come along since the days of the MCU, because I know what that's like. If they didn't know Iron Man or Steve Rogers or Thor, well, I didn't really know Gamora or Nebula that well. I knew who they were, and I had comic books with them in them, but it doesn't mean I was connecting with those characters. And now I do. And there are so many different points of entry where people can connect to these stories. And it's interesting because I put out the word, I I put out the request for stories of how people became, what made you become a Marvel Studios fan. I put that on our Instagram and you can find the post and you can still respond to it at Marvel Studios News on Instagram. And I started getting stories. People were emailing them in or just commenting on the Instagram post or sending them via private message. And I've been blown away by the stories that I have seen from our fellow fans, from members of our community here, and how they connected with the MCU and why. And it's just fascinating to me, but that's the beauty of the MCU and why it's fostered those types of connections is there have been so many different ways to that where how people can connect, where they can connect within these stories and with which characters. It's just really extraordinary. So the MCU has meant all of that that I've just said, and, and so much more that I've said across all of these podcasts, and even more than I'm capable of articulating, it really means a lot to me. And I know it really means a lot to you, Paul, and to a lot of you listening. So with uh, with how much the MCU means to us, firmly established, Paul, let's talk about some of our favorite moments, because as we're, obviously, this is not, this is a very difficult time for a lot of us. And so Let's focus on some good times, some good memories of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anything that stands out uh, that jumps to your mind right away as far as just favorite moments uh, along this journey. It could be a moment actually in a film or it could be a moment uh, around these movies. Oh, that's a oh man, that, that is a tougher one. You know, I can start if you need time. If you need no, time. no, no, I, I've got it. I, I, I can tell you right now, I think my favorite moment and and I, it, again, it's not a want to say I don't want to undermine any other any others, but honestly, the first time seeing the Avengers was probably one of the most, and I'm not even kidding you, euphoric experiences of my life because I just remember just being blown away, just having. I, I've always I've said this story so many times. I apologize, but. You know, that that point in my life, I was at a stressful job. I was just stressing out. I could not stop worrying about stuff. And I, my brain, for the first time in like months, had shut off and just focused on something else for two hours. And it was something that I was not, didn't, never thought I'd ever, ever see on screen before. And an amazing superhero Marvel Avengers film with the big three and Hulk. And how a team again, team movies were not were still hard to do. I mean, the X Men was hit and miss, and the fact that it felt like it just felt like a perfect movie. And even though there, yeah, there was probably some flaws or whatever, but at that moment, it was probably I just remember leaving the theater just on the biggest cloud that you could imagine, just feeling a sense of accomplishment, even though I did nothing 
it felt like I had arrived. It was very strange. And, <laughs> and I just, I, I wish I could go back and I don't know if I'll ever relive that. I mean, the closest thing I could get to that was maybe watching the force awakens. But even then I, we had, I already had thought episode or actually no episode one, right? Phantom Menace was probably the closest thing I ever got to that was just the excitement. Just that, Oh my gosh. And episode seven came close, but Avengers of, of seeing it, the anticipation, and just being like, oh my gosh, you know, because I mean, I guess I was, I, I wasn't as excited. The anticipation for Avengers was, wasn't maybe there as quite as Star Wars was, but just the fact that I'm leaving afterwards was like seeing an Avengers movie for the first time was just, it's, 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 it's never, it's not been replicated ever since. Not, not once in the MCU. And I don't know if it ever will be for another film again, to be honest. So it's truly a special moment in me of seeing that on screen for the very first time. Yeah. Avengers is absolutely up there for me seeing that film for the very first time. And more specifically, if we're talking about moments then the moment in that film, the big tracking shot and the battle of New York, where you go in and check in on every Avenger of the original six there in the action. And of course it, it ends as the Leviathan crashes into the grand central terminal. And then we just punctuate it with Hulk punching Thor. It's just, it's such a phenomenal shot. And it really was kind of just the ultimate moment in that movie that represents what that movie was. And I remember even getting teary-eyed watching it for the first time, just thinking this is why we have these movies. This has been it. I didn't even know to dream about this as a kid, but this is why we've had this all along was so that it could culminate in this moment Little did I know how much more uh, would eventually culminate in something like Avengers Endgame, but it wasn't just the movie itself for the Avengers. It was the response to the film, having the biggest opening weekend of all time and going over being the first film to have over $200 million in its domestic opening weekend, making $1.5 billion worldwide. And I don't see a dime of that money. I spend my dimes that contributes to that box office revenue. So it's not so much that it's some personal victory for me, but it was just good to know that the world was seeing it. I mean, I talked about how many people have become fans in the MCU and hearing a lot of stories recently. And what makes me so happy about it is, I mean, selfishly, it makes me happy because the more people who like the MCU, the more MCU stories I'm going to get. So there is that part of it because they're going to continue being successful. But Avengers and I mean, a lot of the movies before Avengers and then certainly with Avengers being a key point and then many films after it, it's just that people are finally getting a chance to see what I was seeing. For whatever reason, they didn't necessarily see uh, the power of these stories, the power of these characters. Uh, they didn't quite see that in uh, in the comic books because they hadn't taken a look. Or Although in some cases, some of the stuff that Marvel's done or Marvel Studios has done with these characters is the best version, uh, you know, it's the best stories and best uh, versions of these characters that I've seen. Uh, so they really brought it to uh, another level. But in looking at some other favorite moments besides the Avengers and the response to it, I mean, I am Iron Man, just to quickly reach back to Iron Man, saw this incredible, faithful film that uh, really represented Tony Stark, but also was able to chart its own course and keep me guessing. It just felt like something brand new and fresh for the genre with that film and that was really that, that was really special and a great sign of what was to come and then so many other moments i mean i'm going to be talking and i have been talking in more detail because on the patreon it's uh, i do a daily bugle monday through friday news show and there's not a lot of news right now and 
a lot of the news has been negative of things being delayed, suspended, and, and all of that. So I'm focusing more on the positive. And so I've been sharing marvelous memories. And that's where I go into more of these stories in detail. But just to summarize some of, the, some of them here, I mean, look at San Diego Comic Con, how much fun it's been to be in Hall H. And I missed several of the, or at least the first few Hall H panels. I wasn't there in 2007. I wasn't there in 2010 when all the Avengers went on stage for the first time together. I wasn't there in 2013 when Loki, uh, when Tom Middleston showed up on stage as Loki. So I missed a lot of that because I didn't want to deal with Hall H. But then 2013 was the last straw. I got to be in Hall H. And I've been in every Marvel Studios Hall H panel since. And there have been such incredible moments. I mean, the Avengers running through the crowd in 2014 because uh, to set up Avengers Age of Ultron and they bring Josh Brolin out there and he shows up with Than- with little Infinity Gauntlet and he has a little face-off with Robert Downey Jr. Also at that same Comic-Con, they announced that Guardians of the Galaxy, which hadn't even hit theaters yet, that the sequel was going to be coming out. So it was just such a special moment there, my first ever Marvel Studios panel. And then a couple years later in 2016, I mean, you have panels for the movies that were coming up, but then you also have Brie Larson being introduced as uh, as Captain Marvel. Also during that 2016 Comic-Con, you had the Ravagers showing up in full costume, including uh, Michael Rooker in full makeup with the mohawk and everything, or the, the prototype Finn as Yondu. I mean, such special moments. And then last year, of course, the Phase 4 announcement. So many great moments. Also D23 Expo, seeing the first ever footage from Infinity War and most of that cast all together on stage. I was at the El Capitan event for the Phase 3 announcement, as extraordinary as that was. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans facing off as they announced Civil War, and then Downey introducing Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. And speaking of Black Panther, I mean, what a moment or what a set of moments that film gave us from the response to that film, the film itself, as extraordinary as it was, and then being the first comic book movie ever, the first superhero-based movie ever to be nominated for Best Picture and then winning three Oscars, the first and only three Oscars that Marvel Studios has won. Not that that's all they've deserved to win, but those are the three came from that film. And then Spider-Man coming into the MCU, the announcement of that, and then seeing Spider-Man and how well that character's been handled. And I've been fortunate enough that doing this for uh, the length of time that I have and, and having the audience that I have, that I've been able to go to events that I never thought I would be able to go to. I never got into this to go to premieres, but got to go to premieres for several Marvel films, including Infinity War and Endgame. And I don't say that to brag that I've been to all these places. It's just to say that these were special moments for me to be able to go and see these movies just as soon as I could to be the first in in that first audience to see these movies and how special they were with so uh, so much anticipation and being able to see Marvel Studios deliver the way that they did. And when you have movies like Infinity War and Endgame, where you not only love the movies, and you can go back to our spoiler reviews and all the things we've said about those films, and I stand by everything we've said about them, they are truly special. But to be able to see and even feel that the rest of the audience gets it too, that it's not just you. And there have been times where that's happened or numerous times throughout the MCU where I really felt that. Avengers in 2012, Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, Black Panther in 2018, and then Infinity War again in 2018, Endgame in 2019. Not to say that those are the only ones, but I think those are the times where I really felt it uh, the strongest. And you just get that sense of everybody picking up on it, that everything you're getting from this story, other people are getting too even if they're not necessarily articulating it, even if they're not even aware that they're getting it, clearly they are based on the emotional reaction. I mean, to be 
part of an audience seeing movies like Infinity War or Endgame on opening weekend and the the silence after the snap in Infinity War and even through the credits of Infinity War. So different than the cheers you normally get at the end of a Marvel movie. And then the catharsis in Endgame and, and people just going on this emotional ride with you. Cap gets Mjolnir and then you get portals. Maybe the greatest cinematic moment of my life and maybe the greatest cinematic moment that I will ever experience in my life with portals in Avengers Endgame. Just these incredible uh, these incredible experiences that are just burned into my memory that I will never, ever forget. And the MCU has just given me all of that and so much more because what's so important is not just my own individual enjoyment of these stories, but it's that shared enjoyment. It's that collective energy of an audience that is connecting with someone and through that process, or connecting with something, connecting with stories, and through the process of that, connecting with one another, uh, it's been truly remarkable to be a part of, and I'm so happy that it is continuing. So to wrap up this podcast, or actually before we get into our, our very last segment and uh, the last question, I do have some folks to thank. I want to say thank you very much to Ryan Lessman. Mark Z Drums, Taylor Still, Mario A, and Jeremy Tomasulo. They are some of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So I've mentioned it throughout the show. You probably already know if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time. Uh, but we have a Patreon where we do exclusive audio. We have exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else. We, I mentioned the Daily Bugle where I've been sharing some marvelous memories and I plan to keep doing that. We also have a Marvelous Moments series where we do scene breakdowns for some of the best scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, some of the best moments within these films. So for and if you do sign up and you have exclusive audio, then you get your own private RSS feed that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts and subscribe. So you get everything in one place. And then besides all the exclusive audio, we have a Patreon-exclusive Discord community where we host events like watch parties. We've been doing a lot of those lately on the Discord where we come together, we watch these movies, we talk about them, we share our stories. People ask questions and I answer to the best of my ability and we're just talking Marvel and coming together as a community, even though it's a, it's a virtual community, doesn't mean that it doesn't have an impact. And I know I enjoy those watch parties and uh, I think it's safe to say that a lot of other people enjoy them as well as, as members of our community. So for more information on all of the different tiers we have available, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And so for this last question, Paul, I'm actually stealing this a little bit from The Good Place, the podcast hosted by Mark Evan Jackson. He played Sean. And on that show, they end with what's good. And if you haven't seen the show, uh, NBC's The Good Place, I recommend you check it out. I think the first three seasons are all on Netflix right now. If you're looking for something to binge, the last season, I think, is on Hulu right now. But anyway, they end that show by asking what's good. And people get to say whatever they think is good, whether it's some charity or it's just something they like in their life. And we've talked about what the MCU means to us. We've talked about some of our favorite moments, but let's just simplify it, Paul. In your mind, what's good about the MCU? Well, what's good? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. The MCU itself, uh, what's good about it is the fact that it's continuing and the fact that we're going to continue to get more Marvel characters that I never even dreamed of getting in the future. Um, 
I think that to me is what's what's good about the MCU and and what it's the fact that it's so it's such a consistent machine. And I don't mean that in a in a detriment, but it really is. It's a machine, and it keeps putting out great stuff that I love, and that's unprecedented. So the fact that we're getting so many more new things in this next phase and and what that could mean going forward, it's it's really exciting because we all know a Cap and Iron Man will come back at some point, whether it be or played by the same actors or not. But something like that's going to happen, and just the fact that just knowing you have full faith in that, it's it really is unprecedented. And I I will say that's definitely good for what what I love. That's good about the MCU is the consistency that I know these characters are going to be handled well one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. It's great that the MCU is continuing. I think what I would say is good about the MCU is community. Community is what's good about the MCU. It's what's great about the MCU, the way it brings people together and how people's shared love of these characters and these stories and the way these stories have actually shared the power of these characters and stories with more people than ever before, creating new fans, giving them points of connection, and then bringing them all together it's created a sense of community that in many ways transcends a lot of the other issues that divide people. And that's not to say there can't be things that are divisive within fandom. I mean, it's it's certainly part of a lot of other fandoms, and it could be part of Marvel fandom as well. But I see so much community within MCU, within and among MCU fans. We have our own little piece of it here through the podcasts and also through the Patreon, and all of that's great. Uh, but I see other communities as well. I mean, there are other Marvel sites, other Marvel podcasts that have their own groups of fans and the Marvel Studios subreddit that has a great group of fans. Maybe not necessarily everybody, but a lot of people there seem to be okay whenever I check in on it. And that's what it is because these characters and these stories have always been fun for me. They've always entertained me. And I was happy with them even when they weren't on the big screen. I was still happy to read comic books and check in with some of my favorite Marvel characters. That's always been there for me. What hasn't always been there that is now there because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that community, is that feeling of isolation going away because now I'm able to love these stories unabashedly, be as enthusiastic as I want to be, and rather than getting side-eye from people wondering why I haven't grown out of this, instead I have other people who totally get it. And I have people who, and they get it because they feel a lot of the same things. Or even if they don't feel exactly the way that I do, whatever it is that they're feeling, they're feeling it on a deeper level as well because they are really and truly connecting with these stories that there are special characters and stories uh, that are being put on the screen and we're all just getting it and we're all enjoying it together. Uh, and we're all just sharing that enthusiasm because our individual enthusiasm is great, but our collective enthusiasm is even better. And that's been that's what's been so great about the MCU. And that's why I'm happy that this party of Marvel fans, this community of Marvel fans, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And clearly we've seen that happening as the Marvel fandom has expanded in the past couple of years with Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame. We see it through the box office, but I think we also see it through the listeners of this podcast, through whatever any other piece of social engagement that you can see more people are connecting with and engaging with these stories than ever before. And that means more of us are connecting with each other than ever before. And I think that's really, truly special. 
um, and, and not to be dism- and not to be taken lightly. So I, I love the MCU, and I am so happy to have a platform where I get to express my passion, my love, my gratitude for the MCU, uh, and also the fans who share that enthusiasm that enthusiasm with me. Whether that's Paul, who I actually get to talk to on the show, or those of you who are just listening. We really do, or I maybe get the chance to talk to you as well, whether it's on social media or the Discord on Patreon or wherever uh, or wherever else. I'm just really glad that we're all here and that we're all together. That's what's good about the MCU. But that is where we are going to wrap up our show. But in the spirit of community and having as much community and as much community events as we can, just stay tuned to our social channels. I don't have any specific times set up just now but I will be doing live Q&A sessions. There will be more of those on the Marvel Studios News Instagram, so make sure you're following at Marvel Studios News. I also post notifications there on Twitter at Marvel Newscast when I'm gonna have a live Q&A session. There will be more Marvel Studios watch parties coming up and maybe even some non-Marvel watch parties coming up. We'll see how things go. But just follow us on those social channels. Also our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News, and you can also keep up with us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 at two ends, aka Pthug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S E A N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.